Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. I think before I started doing this deep dive into recovery and spiritual work, I would not have said that I was somebody who was obsessed with or centered on perfection. I think that I would have described myself as being laid back and accepting of myself. But I think the more that I've dug in to my actual contents of my mind and maybe where it came that I used alcohol to numb myself and shut myself down, I have to accept the fact that there was some element of my life where needing things to be perfect or needing myself to be perfect is part of that. And as I was sitting around having a safe interaction with a couple girlfriends the other day, really reveling in the ability for us to connect and talk deeply about ourselves, I was talking about how I have been really trying to take a deep look, a different look at myself and accept myself and my body and my mind and who I am more completely in an entirely new and different way. And that is really one of allowing for vulnerability, allowing for non-perfection, allowing to see what really is and see the beauty of what that is instead of seeing what it isn't. And one of the things we were talking about was body image. And I was talking about how I'm trying to make a new look at how I look at myself in the mirror. 
and that it's so easy with TV and movies and magazines to get really caught up in that piece where we are supposed to all be a size zero and not have any curves or irregularities in our body type and that we obsess about that and we feel self-conscious about that. And that at 51 years old, I've had this relationship with my body that has been positive and really complicated and often negative. At this point, as I start to age and things really start to change, I made this decision through my metaphysics and through my recovery and through my new thought that I wasn't going to put energy anymore into this part of my brain that thinks that I'm not enough or that I'm not outwardly, physically, bodily, perfect or beautiful. And so my girlfriend was commenting that we both had mentioned that when we went on our honeymoons some 30 years ago, almost how we had our sarongs and we were covering up our bathing suits and how if we looked at how we looked back then today, man, we would we would be showing it off and just how self-conscious we are, even when it's good, even when it's good, we don't think it's good enough. And I've shared in my blog, and I'm not actually sure I've showed in the podcast, but I had anorexia in high school. And the anorexia was around control. I had a uh, relationship with my my father who lived in a different town than my mom. They had gotten divorced when I was seven or eight. And I would go down to visit him. And we had a particular incident with my stepmother around food and around the um, limited amount of resources and money that were had when I was younger, and that a comment was made that all I did when I showed up was spend money on food. And so I made a decision at that moment that I would never eat their food again, that that was how I could control the situation. And then in going for weekends where I didn't eat for a whole weekend, I started to lose weight. And in losing weight, I started to get attention in a way that I hadn't had attention before. And as I enjoyed that attention that I hadn't had before, that it became a control issue and that I felt out of control in a lot of my life, especially in my dealings with my father and my stepmother, that I chose food as a way to have control. Did I know that when I was 16 years old? Probably not. But I remember the feeling that I had of feeling like I could make that decision. And there were so few decisions that I felt like I could make then. And I struggled so much when I was in high school with popularity and not being on the um, of the side of the the school that was the popular ones. And I had wonderful friends in all the different groups of people, but I really always felt on the outside. And so getting that attention was the first time that appealed to me. And so that was the beginning of really the body awareness that I had. And I was never um, a real 
super skinny person, but I didn't realize until I was much older how fit and uh, lucky I was at a period of time in my life, um, especially in high school and college, to have a particular body type that was accepted as as being what people wanted. And because of that, just to be totally honest, that became a piece of my identity, right? That this was where I was accepted, that this from starting in high school was where people started to pay attention to me. And that before that, I wasn't, I wasn't the desired person in the school to go out with. As a matter of fact, I have many a story of um, sort of being really intensely rejected. And so I don't think that I've really realized until I've done this spiritual work, how impactful it's been to have this attention specifically to the self-love that I have for myself in regards to my body type. So I've fluctuated when I was, I'm a five, seven and a half. And when I was in high school and was in that anorexia, I went down to a hundred and I think it was 114 pounds. And I have a gratitude that there was this moment of clarity and awareness when I weighed myself and I was at that point that I could see that this was damaging me. And it wasn't damaging the people around me and that who I thought that I was potentially punishing my, my stepmother and maybe my father for, for not accepting me and loving me the way that I wanted in that relationship, that I had this God moment where God stepped in and really said, that's enough. However, the, the lot had been, been laid, right? That I already had this aspect of how I viewed myself and I viewed my body. And so when I met my husband, I was, I think I was 125 or 130 pounds. And he came from California. And so this was a place where this was really relished and and approved of, of having a certain physique of which I at that time had. And I think that that's really where this piece started of, am I lovable? Am I okay? Am I worth it? Do I have value? Even if the, my body doesn't fit into the acceptable norms of what is beauty and perfection based on society. And pretty much as soon as I had kids, you know, things, things change and move around and, My breasts got huge and never went away and my body changed. And now I'm a very voluptuous 170 pound person with all kinds of curves and all kinds of places. And so I've I've battled that over the years that I've had this belief that that I needed to be thinner, that I needed to look different to have value to be lovable, to be loved, to be sexy, to have be desirable for my husband, and even on a larger society to be accepted. And as much as I can look at somebody else and look at them and and have them be big or small and see who they are through all of that and love them and think that none of that matters, 
it's interesting how it's hard for us to do that for ourselves. And the perfection can be in all kinds of ways. For me, I'm at this second talking about body image, but I look now at 51 and I look back at the last 25 years of pictures and it's the same person. It's the same person, whether it was up or down 20 or 30 pounds, it's the same human being on the inside. And that when I look at them and I see those moments when I am most happy and satisfied with myself as a human being, it is when that has nothing to do with it. That my mental health and my spiritual health is really where I find my greatest happiness. And when I'm in a mental and a spiritually healthy place, I want to take care of myself. Not to take care of myself to look a certain way for society, but to take care of myself because I actually want to be here. I actually want to live. Wow, that emotion that came up just really caught me off guard. It's very powerful to think about how over the years we put so much time and energy into what we look like from the outside to give ourselves value and acceptance on the inside and whether somebody else on the outside will accept us and love us if we don't meet some level of criteria. So. As I think about that, I think that there was there was years, especially in my addiction, when I was really unhealthy. And I had told a story before about uh, feeling really tired and I was really bloated and I wasn't I didn't feel well at all. And so I went to my doctor to find out what was wrong with me. Right. And of course, what's wrong with me is that I'm an alcoholic and I don't eat well and I don't exercise and my system is not well. And as I was talking to him about sort of what's going on in my life, you can see clearly how he could see that, that it didn't matter that the weight that I was then is not much different than the weight that I am now, but that my my body and the way that it was functioning was was entirely different. So we did blood work and uh, sent me on my way in my exhausted nature of not wanting to not wanting to be here, you know, not wanting to participate in the day that every day was a heavy, heavy day. And um, he called the next day when the blood work came in and said, you've got to go to the emergency room. My system was so far off with electrolytes and the imbalance of sodium levels that I was in danger of potentially having a, a, a stroke or some major incident. So he sent us off to the emergency room. And as we're sitting in the emergency room, my husband is answering some of the questions that the doctor's asking because he's concerned about me. He's concerned about my level of drinking. He's concerned about my, my unhealthy self. And when I look back on that and, you know, got filled with fluids and um, redid my my blood work and I wasn't in the danger zone, that was one of those low moments where you realize and you look at yourself and you say, OK, this isn't about 
looking a certain way on the outside. This is about that care that you have for yourself and where you are in your mental and your spiritual health that you can allow yourself, you can see yourself place that is that is detrimental to your well-being, to your long longevity, to your health. And as I've worked more in the program, and as I've been almost three years free of alcohol, my system is different. My weight is very similar. I've gained and lost 20 pounds over the last three years, sort of up and down. I think I'm down only 10 pounds from what sort of my sort of most bloated alcohol space was. But what I realize is that when I look at myself in the mirror, what I want to be looking at is that piece on the inside, that piece on the inside that says that regardless of what is happening, I'm going to catch myself again. Feeling this emotion because it can be so hard for us to look at ourselves in the mirror. To stand there and look at yourself in all of your trueness. And see the beauty of who you are. And be willing to accept that aspect of yourself, that this vessel that we come in, regardless of its shape or size, is an absolute gift. And that as a society, there's so much pressure to look and be a certain way that we want to do plastic surgery or that you know, who we are in our shape is not enough. And I'm, I'm victim to that too. You know, my husband and I tease because I, I will, I won't ever get any plastic surgery because I know better, but it's, but I still tease about it, you know, when it's on TV or something. But as I stand there and I look at myself, what I have been practicing in this new spiritual practice is to give myself loving affirmations of the beauty of exactly who I am. Every curve, every fold, every wrinkle, that those are the beauty pieces of this skin that I live in and that the more that I realize that I can love myself so deeply on the inside and the outside that those pieces can come together and be in communion and that the healthiness comes from really what we think and feel about ourselves on the inside and what we think and feel is what our lives are. So if I'm looking at myself in the mirror and all I can see is my imperfection all I can see is how over the years I've lost that whatever perfect body that I had through anorexia and dysfunction in my early days. I am not benefiting my cells. I am not giving myself life. I'm not telling my body, thank you for everything that it offers me. And I want to be able to have a fuller and more true love of myself that is unconditional. 
Because if I can see and unconditionally love myself, then I can let down my guard and my walls with my partner. I can be freer in how I relate to him in an intimate level. I can be freer in how I relate to other people without allowing myself to feel that level of shame. And through that, I'm also giving my body the gift of gratitude for what it has to offer so that it can be its healthiest. And I believe so strongly that that connection of our higher power of spirit is also the energy that we send out. So if underneath everything, even if you're presenting it in a way where everything is kind of from the outside, everything looks great and quote unquote perfect, but underneath there's this pain and this dissatisfaction for yourself, that really is what is the energy that's going out into the world telepathically and into your body and your connection with higher power. And maybe it's the aging thing and maybe it's the ability to sort of look back at pictures and recognize all the times that you looked at yourself or you were in a swimsuit or you were at a party and you just didn't think that it was all that great because you're looking around at all the other perfection And all you can do is compare yourself negatively to everyone around you. And I look back and I think, wow, I wished I had appreciated myself then. I wished I had realized how fleeting youth is. How fleeting it is to have the ability to have a young body or a young face. And I'm a super girly girl. If you've seen pictures of me, I wear makeup every single day. I get fully dressed every day, even in COVID. I have not done sweats and t-shirts. That's just me. And what I've really come to look at is when I'm working from home and there's no one who sees me during the day, but I'm putting on makeup and getting dressed up a little bit. Why, Why am I doing that? What is the reason for that? The reason for that is because I like it. It makes me feel good and I feel more comfortable without makeup than I have in a long time, but I find that I just like it, but I don't think it defines me in the way that I think that it did years ago. I don't think that it is the piece of myself that I'm trying to present to the world because what I want you to see when you are with me is I want you to see my inside. I want you to know me for the vulnerability and the depth of who I am on the inside and not be looking necessarily at the outside because I'm looking at your inside. So how do we do that? How do we connect with ourselves in a place that is different than the relationships that we've had before? And I think it starts with an awareness. It starts with an awareness that we are a judging ourselves harshly or inaccurately. I sometimes think that until you can witness and be observant of what it is that you want to make change, that you can't make those changes. So to be honest with yourself, that you're hard on yourself, that you take that time to beat yourself up instead of to have gratitude. And then to be aware of your divinity, to connect to that level of your higher self, 
your higher power and really feel the beauty of who you are as a whole being, regardless of what your body looks like. Regardless of what your body looks like, can you feel your heart? Can you feel your mind? If things have stopped working or you have difficulties moving or something is going on, can you recognize the divinity of your connection with your higher power that is not limited by what our bodies do? And I think when we start to really connect with that aspect of ourselves and train our mind to reprogram our mind to allow yourself affirmations of love and acceptance, a shift happens where you start to let go of that perceived perfection on the outside. There's always someone or something that has more or is better or has less and doesn't have what you have in so many ways in life. And we spend so much of our time comparing ourselves in those ways. And I love the fact that the media has started to have just as many ads for real women as they do for the supposed perfect woman. But we are ourselves perfection and just who we are. And it's the healthiness. And what I tell myself is, and I'm working out right now, it's not because I want to weigh any less or I actually want to look any different. I want to feel good because I love my life now. I want to live to the fullest with the absolute ability to do everything that I set my mind to. And I'm not going to cover up with the sarong because this is me. At 51 years old, I'm a voluptuous, curvy gal. That's what I got. And I want to love it. And I want to love myself in a way that is new. And I encourage you to take a look at how you are cutting yourself short and what that perfection is for you. And connect to your divinity. Connect to your higher self and allow that to be what shines through and give yourself grace to love yourself deeply for exactly who you are. Let's be healthy together for a new reason. Let's be mentally, spiritually healthy. And that will encourage us to be physically healthy and whatever that looks like is our own unique self. And let's love it for exactly what it is. I release that level of perfection. And so it is. And so it is. I am going to love myself just the way I am. So thanks for going on this journey with me with the tears and everything. Until next time. Namaste. Are you wondering, how do I go deeper on my path to soul recovery? Or how do I support this great podcast? Well, here's how. Here's your call to action. If you're ready for real inner change and would like to work directly with me, visit the website and book a coaching session. I'm here to support you on your unique path. I'm here to help you let go of the past, to deepen your connection with your higher power, whatever that is for you, and to discover and then step forward into a happy and healthy life. 
You can also become part of our soul recovery community. One way is to join the support group. It's the first Monday of every month. It's by Zoom from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and you can register on the website to get your Zoom link. Recover your souls on social media. Of course, there's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, lots of ways to connect. And there's even a private Facebook group that will allow for more communication and conversation about soul recovery. There is also an extra bonus episode every Friday if you are an Apple Podcast subscriber or Patreon member. I'd also love all of the listeners to subscribe on the website so that I can keep you informed on what's going on with the podcast, the community, with me, and anything that's up and coming and new and great about soul recovery. Also, if you just take a little bit of time to give me five stars, a quick review, and to share the podcast with your friends and family, we're helping even more people to have soul recovery in their lives. If this podcast is providing you spiritual nourishment and inspiration, thank you, thank you for going to the website and pushing the donate button, whatever donation feels right to you. This means so much to me because I have this enormous mission of sharing soul recovery with the world and your donations, your bookings, your subscriptions, your being part of this community is helping that to happen. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.